Welcome to the One Life, One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. Today, I have a special special guest sitting in my kitchen. Uh, he's a friend of mine. He was a legend. He's a hero for me growing up. Um, st- still a hero of mine. And uh, welcome to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Steve Caballero. Hello, Toby. <laughs> so stoked to be here. Welcome to be here <laughs> in my kitchen. Um, so there's a bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about, but I also like to talk about the beginnings to where you are now. What I'm doing is um, I'm interviewing people that inspired me to see what inspired them. Uh, my heroes, uh, my friends. Um, so I want to I rewind really, really far back to you growing up. You're born in California, correct? Correct. NorCal, San Jose, California. So how was it growing up for you? Did you, did you, have, did you have strict parents? Did you, how was your household? Was it, were they supportive of you? How did you do in school? Well, that's going way back. <laughs> <laughs> way back. Um, I had great, great parents. Awesome. Great supportive parents. Um, I'm the youngest of five. Wow. I'm 54, so they're like way older than okay. me. Okay, you're the youngest. That's crazy. <laughs> um, so you got brothers and sisters in their 60s? Yeah, three three brothers, wow. one sister. Okay. Um, my oldest brother's uh, around, I want to say 66. Okay. Yeah. Tight family? Not very tight. Actually, okay. no, actually, from coming from like a, a huge family I, and being the youngest, uh, I kind of felt like an only child, only because uh, my next brother above me was like five years older. Okay. So as I, you know, I mean, I, I don't really even remember childhood okay. too much. Um, you like a black sheep. Pretty much. I just remember like my dad leaving our house at age 11 and oh, just wow. kind of growing up with my mom. Okay. So your mom raised everybody. She pretty much uh, raised me from eleven till I left the house around age twenty-two. Wow. Yeah. Anybody else in, in your family members into skateboarding or anything? No one else was into uh, riding skateboards or punk rock or into bikes. Um, they're a lot older than me, and they were kind of into like sports. You know. Okay. Um, I had a brother that played football. Uh, brother that played golf, um, but. Um, Kind of like action sports to work, like yeah, kind of yeah, things yeah. that we're into now. Yeah. Um, that was one of my questions. Like, did you like sports in school? Did you play sports? I tried. You know, um, that's how I found skateboarding. Yeah. Uh, because I tried football. I tried soccer. Obviously, as I was too short for basketball. Um, I tried the track. I mean, I tried everything to yeah. fit in at school. And yeah. uh, it just wasn't happening for me. And, and how was your grades? Grades were good. Grades were good from about uh, freshman year to about sophomore, A's and B's. Uh, age around 15. Um, well, actually, age 14, I got sponsored by Powell. Yeah, I was going to ask you. And that's when my career kind of started off being a professional skateboarder. Um, I started traveling all the time. And then that's when the grades started to drop. Did you graduate? Did you graduate? <laughs> I did graduate. Uh, <laughs> I squeaked through. Um, but I, you know, I had different plans. You know, when I, when I became uh, a freshman in high school, I was going to go to college. I was going to become, go into the electronics field. Okay. Um, I was really excited. <laughs> uh, I was really ready to fit you in. Fo- but you were focused, though, too. Like, you had goals. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it was my goals. And then skateboarding took over and took all those dreams away. So so <laughs> what, what was your first exposure to skateboarding? First exposure to skateboarding was um, basically neighborhood kids having skateboards. Yeah. I mean, you know, 
that was kind of the thing. Playing outside was huge back in the day. Yeah, man. You know, no phones, I mean, yeah. You, yeah, you you played outside. Yeah, you watched TV. <laughs> I mean, I watched a lot of TV. Yeah, I was explaining that to a friend earlier. Man, I I watched TV shows in the mornings. I watched uh, cartoons. Um, after school, yeah. I was Saturday morning cartoons, Saturday night creature features. I mean, I was born in the seventies. Yeah, TV was huge back then, but so were icons, mm-hmm. you know. And one of those icons was Evil Knievel. Okay, for me, so riding bicycles, you know, going um, to the creek, uh, building ramps, uh, you know, all that stuff. Riding skateboards. I mean, all that yeah. stuff, outdoor stuff, playing with BB guns, blowing up things with firecrackers. <laughs> yeah. I mean. <laughs> All that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, Climbing yeah. trees. Building stuff, forts, all that stuff. G.I. Joe's. Oh, everything. Matchbox cars. Burning like. them up. You know, I mean. <laughs> Smashing just, them. Just great stuff we did in the 70s. Um, but then, you know, I, I really was attracted to BMX. Okay. I really wanted to uh, race BMX. Uh, I was really wanted to have a motorcycle, but we were too poor and... Yeah, lived in the ghetto and motorcycles and trucks were weren't part of that program yeah. there. But a skateboard, you can get that at a, a local um, sports store. Yeah, you, yeah. I got my one of my first ones. You know what it was? You remember what it was? Um, I think it was one of those roller ten uh, skateboards with the steel wheels, and then it turned wow. into like a GT uh, with clay wheels. Um, and then my first board that I got that was actually had urethane wheels was a Taipage Freeformer. I bought it at a sport, good in sports yeah. store. Um, and and then uh, I came down to Disneyland one year uh, with my dad and my best friend, and I saw the skateboard park right across the street in Orange County wow. called The Concrete Wave, and I started reading magazines at 7-Eleven wow. um, about skateboarding. Yeah. There was Skateboard World. There was Skateboarder. And... Um, my dad promised me to take me to the park next time we came to Disneyland. Okay. So next time we came down, which was around 1976, um, rode my first skateboard park in SoCal. Um, fell in love with it. Yeah. Came home, build ramps, just try to follow the guidelines of, of the skateboard magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's all we, we had. Yeah. That's all we had. To, you know, there was no Internet. video. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like Super 8 film. If you if you had a, a camera that you could yeah. shoot stuff. And then um, just read magazines, and then I heard Winchester and Campbell Skate Park were being built in my my hometown. Wow! And then game changer. Yeah, I got my membership in 1977, um, and then it was all I was hooked. Do you remember your first? You remember your first like real trick that you learned? Um, Well, first tricks back in the day before I even rode a skateboard park was just kind of going down the driveway. And trying to make it from the driveway to the sidewalk <laughs> yeah. without the ball bearings falling out of your wheels. Oh wow! Because we didn't they weren't have, sealed or anything. They had yet. concealed bearings. Wow. And uh, another one was like pushing really hard and like getting on the kicktail and skidding and seeing how far you could yeah, skid. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun stuff. It was innocent. There was no tricks. Yeah. Um, I I learned how to do a kick turn on a bank ramp. Didn't even go front side yet. It was just all back side. Yeah. Um. And that you know that was my introduction. Yeah. Yeah. And then was was uh, was music soon after because I felt like back there and like the music and the skateboarding was pretty hand in hand. Well, where music comes in is I was born and raised on the east side of San Jose and was strictly black, strictly Mexican um, oriented areas. Um, if there was any Caucasian white people there, um, it was a small group and we 
we basically called those guys the stoners. Okay. You know, because <laughs> they'd hang out in the quad, smoking yeah. their cigarettes, and you knew they were getting high. Yeah. You know, and um, and you know, just it was just they were called the stoners. Okay. And back then, the music preference back then was like soul, you know, disco, yeah, uh, R and B, you know. Did you like that stuff too? It wasn't hip hop back then. No, it wasn't. No. <laughs> Before Grandmaster Flash. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But uh, I loved it. I mean, it was just part of my culture. Yeah. You know, and I was just like, oh yeah, the Stoners—they listen to rock and roll. You know. And do you uh, feel like you appreciate that that music more now when you get older though? Like the the Stones and all the stuff they were listening to back then. Because so I feel like I did in age. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate all music now. Yeah. But um, I've definitely gone through different genres, and then you know, my my brothers. Did turn me on to stuff like Elton John, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim Croce, The Beatles. I like him too. My mom liked him. Uh, America, um, Johnny Cash. So I I had that stuff in the background, yeah, you know. But I was too young to even like buy a record or mm-hmm. even want have like we 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 barely had one little record player, and then uh, the new thing was cassettes. Yeah, you know, back in the day. Um, Do you remember what your first one was? Well, I'll tell you what my first cassette was because I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting into the story about how my life changed okay. through skateboarding yeah. and how music changed. Yeah. So I was like not, not into rock and roll. Okay. At all. Not into rock, nothing. I go to the skateboard park and then all of a sudden everyone's listening to ACDC, Cheap Trick, Aerosmith. So, you know, when you're you're young and you're impressionable, yeah. what what do you want? You want to be a skateboarder? What are they listening to? What are skateboarders listening exactly. to? Exactly. Rock. Yeah. So I come home, I'm like, <laughs> Mom, we're going to Tower Records. Um, can I use um my brother's uh cassette player? Cause I want to buy some tapes. She's like, What do you want to buy? I want to buy ACDC, mm-hmm. you know, cheap trick <laughs> and Aerosmith. Yeah. And she's like tripping out, like, oh, mijo, why do you want to listen to rock like that music now? I'm like, because that's what skateboarders listen to. Exactly. And then so skateboarding <laughs> was in the rock and roll, the cars, you know, um, Van Halen, all that stuff, ACDC. And then as I, st- as I started getting into skateboarding and hanging out at parks and stuff, I could see the musical uh, interest started changing, started to turn to like new wave. Okay. We started hearing like stuff like Gary Newman. Um, stuff like the cars, yeah. Um, you know, Blondie, Oingo Boingo, Oingo Boingo, <laughs> all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, we got the B 52s coming in. We got all of a sudden, like, what's this? The Dead Kennedys, the Ramones, the, the Sex Pistols, what? Misfits, Sex Pistols. Yeah. Misfits weren't yet, okay, there okay. yet. <laughs> I'm gonna get to that shortly. This was okay, uh, early 70s, yeah, uh, late 70s. Okay. Um, and then, you know, so uh, around 1980, you know, I was 15 and I'm listening to Ramones and Dead Kennedys, you know, and uh, then I started going to shows with my buddies because uh, then the park closed in around 1981 and I started going to shows with uh, my friends Gavin and Corey okay. um, from the skate park and we'd go, um, one thing, one of my very first shows was at up the place called Briner Hall in Campbell, San Jose, and I went to go see Black Flag. Wow. But they never wow. showed up. Oh, so shit. So it was just the local bands yeah. there. Um, and then we started going to the city, started going to On Broadway, um, Babuhe Gardens, the Tool and Die. And that's when Damn. I started getting introduced to a lot of a lot of punk rock bands, you know. And then, you know, here's TSOL, the Circle yeah. Jerks, you know, Dead Kennedys. Um, started getting to hardcore. To yeah. Know, hardcore bands, you know. And then I was turning on to, like, Midwest hardcore 
you know, uh, that one compilation, the master tape, Okay. Uh, a lot of Midwest bands and then some East coast stuff like the misfits and minor threat, you know, um, um, did you get to see minor threat back then? I did. Wow. I what, did. what year? <laughs> uh, 1983. I wow. think it was at, at, uh, on Broadway. And that's going to be like one of my most memorable punk rock shows ever because for one, I was a huge fan from the, uh, Compilation Flex Your Head. Yeah. That's when I got introduced to Minor Threat. Yeah. Um, then I bought the single, and, and so I was hooked. Um, SSD Control. Yeah. Crowd, uh, you know, Seven Seconds, you know, all those bands. Um, but then when I went and saw Minor Threat, the mic broke like halfway through the set, and Ian didn't even like bother to get another mic. He just like kind of mouthed the words to the Hope. crowd because the whole crowd knew all the songs. Of course. So they were all singing the songs. Wow. So uh, this was 1983. And, the- but I didn't get to meet Ian until around 1984, a year, a year after, um, you know, uh, when I played a, sh- a, a skate rock show uh, with the big boys. And, oh, big boys, and yeah. And Aggression and JFA um, in LA. And Ian was backstage and then wow. I finally got to meet him there. Were you, were you like, uh, it seems like, you know, like you never really got involved with like drugs and stuff like that too. Like the people around you were doing back then too. Um, I can't say I wasn't involved in drugs. Um, I dabbled a yeah. little bit here and there. I smoked pot, you know, um, over the years, um, and drank a little bit as well, you know, got into, you know, I think it was, I think I had my first beer uh, right around uh, Animal Chin, 1986. <laughs> first one. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it was a Coors or something, something super light. Like I was just. I'd, How old were you then? Let's see, eighty six. I don't know. Let's see. I graduated two. I was eighteen. Uh, in the twenties so, or something. Yeah. Yeah, almost twenty. Now, yeah. Well, let's see. I'm, I'm I'm trying to do math here. It's all right. It's only, it's in the early twenties <laughs> or something. So so you went pro at f- at fourteen. That was 22, actually. When, 22, your first yeah, drink. Yeah, Wow. And he started so young, too. So so you go pro at 14. Who was your first... Who did you sign? Like, your first sponsor? Like, what was your first? First sponsor was actually a skateboard park. Okay. Um, 1978, I rode for Campbell Skate Park. And I, Campbell, we, California? Campbell, California. That's where Lars is from. Yep. Shout out to Lars. That's where I met Lars awesome. as well. That's awesome. We got a funny story about Lars and the faction. I saw that picture. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, he was like... <laughs> I think he was like nine or eleven years old or something, and holding our our bass drum at a party so we cool, played with man. the Necros. Wow! In Santa Clara, and here's little Lars um, holding the bass drum because it kept moving. There was no uh, carpet. Yeah. Um, and a friend of ours shot that photo, and, and we still have that photo of him in front. Yeah, of it's it. amazing. It's I saw a, it. Yeah, and it's amazing history where man. he's come from. Yeah, man, and where, where he's you know, now. And, uh, but you know, it just goes to show if you're dedicated to something. You know, um, and you just keep uh, persistent about it. You eventually become successful. Hundred percent. You know. So, He's so living proof. Yeah, hundred. You are too. So, <laughs> so, so you're fourteen. Whatever. Then you get sponsored, and you start skating contest, and um, you do graduate, and you're focusing on your career. Did you think at that when you were that young, this is something I want to do the rest of my life? Did you think it was going to become what it is now? Or did you just like I'm just doing it now because I love doing it? Well, I had no clue. What yeah. was going on? Um, I was just kind of going with the flow. That's kind of been the way my, I live my life. Yeah. Um, so got sponsored by the skate park around 78. And then uh, we were entering all these contests all up north and winning all the competitions. Um, 
because each skateboard park had their own team. Okay. It was Winchester. I had a team. Campbell had a team. Spinning Wheels, Clayton Valley, Heatwave in Sacramento, Burlingame. Um, so they all we all compete on these these uh, this little um, circuit. And then yeah. since we were like the number one team from NorCal, we traveled down to SoCal. Uh, where we entered a national contest at Escondido, and that was in '79, and that's where I first met Stacy Peralta. Okay, he was a judge there with, along with Steve Cathay, who were both rode for GNS. GNS. After the competition, Stacy comes up to me and um, my teammate from uh, Campbell, and says, "Hey, do you want to ride for this new company I'm starting? I'm like, what's it called? It's all we're going to call it Powell Peralta." Um, and uh, and I didn't really know what to say. And yeah. I just said, hey, uh, let me ask my parents. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a good I, answer. I went home. Yeah. I asked my parents. They said, yeah, Mijo, like, yeah, go, like, yeah, maybe it's a cool opportunity. Yeah, I get to travel and I'm going to be able to be in magazines and enter a contest down in Southern California. They're like, yeah. Travel, yeah. So then Stacey says, yeah, I'll be up north uh, in one month. I'm entering a pro contest there at Winchester. That was my local park. Yeah. And you can give me your answer there. And, I waited a whole month to say yes, you know, and that was 1979. Okay. And which, which is, this is probably one of the coolest things about my career is I still ride for Pal Peralta. It's insane, man. <laughs> I didn't want to do the math on that. That's a lot of years, man. That's. Yeah. And wow, the funny thing man. about what you said about. That says a lot about you. It says a lot about them. It says a lot about, you know what I mean? Being people that long. Well, you know, it's 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 a relationship. Yeah, you know, it's a business relationship um, that's that's been formed. You know, and uh, we've had our ups and downs. Yeah, I, I, was I mean, I'm not gonna lie. There's been times I'd want to quit. I was gonna ask you that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's like three times I wanted to leave the company. You know, and with uh, other other companies trying to take you at some points. Yeah, Vision. Uh, Brad Dorfman had had an idea of wanting to sponsor me, um, and also um, the guys at uh, NHS at Santa Cruz. Okay. Um, but you know their offers weren't as good as what I had, so I just thought you know I'll just work my differences out yeah. with with Pal, and I ended up doing that, and um, I'm so glad I did because you know I have a track record of being um, the, one of the only skateboarders to be sponsored by the same company for his whole career. That's and, insane, man. And I plan to stick with them as long as I can and and finish that career out. Yeah. You know? um, but I had a f- I have a funny story about what you're saying about. What I wanted to do, you yeah. know, and at age 18, I'd been already been sponsored by Powell for like maybe like four years. And I remember a friend of mine saying, okay, you're 18, you know, <clears throat> 21's coming around the corner, you know, like, what are you going to do after? With your life. With yeah. your life. And yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, he's like, you're not going to be skating like after 21. Like no one has a career in skateboarding after 21. I'm like, shoot, I don't know, man. Like. Damn. I'm just going to just go with the flow. Exactly. So 54 years old. Wow, later. man. <laughs> were you nervous though coming around 21? Like, were there people Not like... Not at all. Yeah. 21, it was like my prime. I was going to say that. I was going to say that. Uh, it was popping. Skateboarding was huge. Uh, I didn't see any decline at all. So at when you started winning contests and that, that high you felt from doing that, was it not, not, not something you came addicted to, but did you always want to win every contest or you just... Skated for fun, you skated because you loved it, or skated, you feel any pressure? I was addicted to it. Okay. I was addicted to the attention. I was addicted to um, the prize you got from it. I mean, um, 
the way the way you were to prove yourself in skateboarding back in the day was through competition. Yeah, um, it wasn't about sh- going out shooting photos and appearing in the magazine. It was how well you did. Yeah, and if you did well, you were uh, compensated. You know, you got a trophy. Uh, when you turned pro, you got money. Um, if you win all these pro contests, uh, people were really attracted to you and, and who you were. And back then, it was like you got your pro model, yeah. and then you would make money off that. Um, so I got my first model in 1981, um, and I got my first check that month, and it was like $300. Wow. And at, at 17, 16 years old, I made $300 one month, and then the next month, it was $500. And then the next month after that was another five hundred, and the next month after that was a thousand. Wow! And it just started growing. And by the time, okay, so that was in nineteen eighty one. By nineteen eighty six, we had established Powell Peralta, the Bones Brigade, selling selling skateboards all over the world. Worldwide, I got a check one month in nineteen eighty six for fifteen thousand dollars. Wow. It's, that's a lot. One month. That's insane. <laughs> so that was like over 250 grand I made that year. Wow. And I was getting a dollar a board. You sold so many Could boards. You, you know I got $2 a board? Man. $500,000. <laughs> that's crazy. George. <laughs> that's crazy. He was selling so many boards, man. Yeah. And so, you know, and so was Tony Hawk. Were you, were you so living at home then still? Still. Um, by 86, not living at home. Okay, okay. I moved out at... Um, at Age twenty two, um, I was, you know, it was about to. I, I was, I was making a lot of money and saving. I saved over a hundred grand in the bank at age twenty two. Wow! And that was paying my my mom's rent and all the utilities and everything, and just taking care of her. Yeah, because I was the only one living there. Yeah, I had a ramp in the backyard. Um, I had started a band called the Faction. Yeah, so we practiced there. You know, so I was taking care of her. I was living at home. She was stoked. You know, but then age 22, I wanted my own place. Yeah. You know, and I had $100,000 in the bank. and I'm like, I'm buying a house. So, I bought, you know, I put down a down payment on a house. Wow. Yeah. So things That's were crazy. Things were amazing. And then uh, 1990 came around. Before before, <laughs> before that, the Caballero, though, what year did you create that? Oh, um, the Caballero was Half a signature, signature trick I invented, which is also was uh, called the Fakie 360 yes. Ollie. Um, that was around 1980. Um, I had worked on a trick. Uh, well, I could already do these this tricks called Fakie Ollies in the pool. Yeah. And um, I saw a friend of mine who, his name was Robert um, the Fly Sh- uh, Shaffley. Um, he's a pro, pro skateboarder for Tunnel. Um, he used to do these RB slides where you slide fakey and then you come across the flat bottom and then do a fakey 360 kick turn like around tile mm-hmm. all yeah, the yeah. time. Yeah. And then I saw one time he kind of went a little too hard, pumped on the transi- transition and hit the coping and flailed in the air. And I looked at that and I'm like, oh my goodness, I wonder if that can be done. Like I saw yeah. the vision of that, me doing that. So by visualizing that and then just attempting it and trying it over and over and over for a month. Um, I finally completed the whole turn and, and landed all the way around. Wow. And then I remember calling Stacy on the phone. And this was in the middle of the Gold Cup series that we were entering. This is my rookie year as a pro. Okay. And things were happening so so fast back sure. then. Tricks were being invented like every month. Okay. You know, uh, from different people. And so that was the thing was like I learned all the tricks that could be done 
you know, 1980. And, and the next thing he's like, what you start thinking outside the box, like what else can be done? What else can be done? Yeah. So you start trying to invent your own tricks. And I brought that trick to uh, Marina del Rey, uh, which is Josoy's uh, local. Yeah. He talked about that. Yeah. yeah. And his dad was the uh, uh, manager there. Manager there. Yeah. Um, so I brought the trick there and introduced it and actually didn't do very well at that contest. Okay. And I think I ended up getting 11th place or something cause I fell. And then I, had another month to master it, and then I brought it to Upland at Pipeline Skate Park, and then won that won the contest with the Fakie 360 Ollie. Wow! And um, later on, um, through the intelligence report, this little zine that Stacy made uh, for the Bones Brigade to pr- uh, promote them, he he coined it the Caballario. Amazing! And then three years later, I, I think it was Kevin Staub and Tony Hawk were skating, and uh, they could both. Do cabalarials. Um, and then I think my dog farted. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, and then uh, so they did a, a half of my trick, and it was a fakie ollie to 180 to fakie back, and they just kind of coined it the half cab. They were Amazing. doing half of my trick. So really, the trick is called the half stob. Half stob after Kevin stob. Amazing. But um, <laughs> uh, they they named it the half cab. Awesome. So I know you mentioned the Faction a few minutes ago, which is an amazing band. So that started in the prime of your career too, correct? Like in the prime of your skateboarding? Yeah, started man. Started a band. Yep, started a band in 1982. Yeah. And um, like I said, you know, 1980, 81, got into punk rock, and I started going to shows. Yeah. And I remember going to this like local uh, record store and seeing all these 45s on the wall, and I saw this 145, and I'm like, hey, there's a guy on a skateboard, and their band's sitting on the... On the coping, what is a JFA? Yeah, Jody Foster's Army. What kind of name is that for a band? (laughs) Jody Foster's Army. Yeah, Beach Blanket Bomb. Yes. So I bought the bought the forty five, and I dug the songs. They were sick. They were full hardcore punk rock. But the thing I loved about it is they were skateboarders. Yeah, and they were just skateboarders playing music. I'm like, so I'm like, man. Kevin, we need to start a band, man. This is cool. Were we you could, playing guitar at that time? I wasn't playing anything. Wow. Okay. Not nothing. I was like, you know, um, I just picked up a bass. I've tried picked up the guitar at first. Took one guitar lesson and it sucks. Okay. First of all, I don't want to play chords. Yeah. And this is not what I'm I've listened to punk rock. I don't I don't want to learn how to do a chord. Can you yeah. show me a bar chord? Like Yeah. And then I just felt it was just too difficult. So I just picked up a bass and started learning bass on my own in my room all by myself and got together with some guys at the skate skate park and there was a drummer that that played drums. So we play we 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 practiced at his house and then his brother ended up became a singer, he, which was he was terrible, but <laughs> We still used him because he was his brother. And yeah. Then we had some, a couple of guitar players come in. And then all of a sudden we started practicing at my house. And I ended up kicking out the singer, which then the drummer left. And then I found um, another uh, guy that skated at my house uh, to play drums. But he really wanted to play guitar. That was Adam. Okay. So we got um, uh, a drummer. He ended up playing guitar. Adam <laughs> did. And then I played bass. And then we found um, Gavin. Okay. To be our singer, yeah, and that's Gavin and Corey. Uh, we're brothers and um, that um, used to hang out at Winchester, and we just started playing. And I remember being in the studio up at Tom Mallon's place in San Francisco, recording our first forty-five called "Yesterday Is Gone." Yeah, we formed nineteen eighty-two on Halloween. We named our band the Faction. Six months later, I'm in the studio recording. Never Record. been in the studio. Recorded a, a forty-five, and then it just kind of took off from there. We just started producing our own 
um, Music. records. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Uh, one record paid for another one, and then another one. Then we made an album. And then we made another album, and we just kind of just kept recycling it. And in that, you know, I made my own z- uh, skate zines that covered the skate uh, scene and punk rock Music, scene. Yeah, it's I awesome. called it Skate Punk. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> skate Punk Mag. Um, That's and awesome. Then I, you know, in the magazine, I was like printing my own T-shirts and selling them through the magazine. The zine, and then I was like making my own skimboards because I was into skimboarding, Damn. you know. And you're a pro, and you're killing it. Yeah, and just like... doing traveling, doing doing all the stuff, you know, and just just living life, man. Just enjoying, you know, the things around me and what 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 drove me, and that was skateboarding, punk rock. Yeah, and wh- and what do you think it was that connected you to punk rock? That like it didn't connect you to rock and roll. Like you went into the rock and roll, and the punk really. Well, skateboarding connected yeah, bro- me to it. Yeah, because skate. Borders listen to punk rock, which made it the music. It's like it's like whatever. It's like yeah, it's like whatever the skateboarders are into. Yeah, whatever's popular, that's what kind of takes over. Yeah. You know, um, obviously metal. After a while, like late eighty five, eighty six, metal started to come in. Metallica, we started Metallica yeah. and Anthrax yeah. and uh, Metal Church and um, Exodus, and I started listening to those bands. So the faction started getting a little bit of like a metal. Metallic Edge sound to, him. to yeah, him, yeah, you know. Um, but then you know, uh, hip hop came in, and I just couldn't get into it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and fast forward to now, it's like that's most of the soundtracks of the skate. I know skate videos is hip hop. Well, that was, was you know, it, it kind of meshed really well with the street skating, yeah, you know. And I just you like pers- public enemy. I, I mean, I listened to some of their songs. Beastie Boys. You know, Tommy Guerrero. Yeah, I, I like the Beastie Boys. Yeah. You know, um, I just, you know, I did get a Beastie Boys album you yeah. know, when they first came out. <laughs> I was tripping because I'm like, dude, these white dudes are, are rapping. I'm like, yeah. that's pretty amazing. Yeah. It was really cool. Really catchy. Yeah. You know, so I did have one of their tapes, you know, um, Run tapes. DMC. Yeah, Run DMC. You know, um, so I did listen to that stuff, but, you know... Punk rock got a hold of my heart, man. Yeah. And it's always been a love of mine. And even when people were putting out videos with hip hop in it, I'd always add a punk rock uh, soundtrack to it. I mean, always. I mean, yeah, the Bones Brigade VHSs, those were all punk rock. Youth Brigade, there's so many. Were you inv- who was involved in the music in those? Uh, Stacy Peralta. Okay. And Did you guys give your, like, maybe this band? Like, we, you know, he didn't really have the rights to use any of the music. Um, <laughs> and so what he did was he hired a guy named Dennis Dragon, who was, uh, I think he was a drummer for the Surf Punks. Love the Surf Punks. Yeah. yeah. And um, he shocker wrote a- attack, shocker <laughs> attack. I got it. He wrote a lot of the wrote a lot of the soundtracks to all the uh, Power Pro Skate videos. I was so what we that. do is like, like, here's a perfect example. There was a song I want to do with Youth Brigade. So what do you do? He he copied one of the songs, and instead of using a Youth Brigade song, oh, they wow. wrote a song that sounded like Youth Brigade song, no so way. he could use it in there. I'm sure Youth Brigade would have gave it to us anyway. Wait a second, that's not Youth Brigade in that song? And the, and the, and the I don't Bones think Brigade? so. I can see Tony Hawk skating the pool right now during yeah, that Del song. Mar. Oh my <laughs> God, it's crazy. So that wasn't really them? I don't think so. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So he did a lot of that. You know, we used Dennis a lot, you know. Um, but like I said, you know... Um, Still to this day, man, punk rock is still one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, the, the, lyri- the lyrics I just can't really listen to anymore. Um, even Minor Threat, I, I can't play that stuff. I love oh, yeah. Ian, yeah, but F-bombs, I just can't. Yeah, They're yeah. not. And especially when my kids are around. Yeah. You know, 
when you, when you Maybe become, there's a censored version on iTunes. <laughs> I don't know. You know, when you become a parent, man, things change. Yeah. Well, for me, they did. I don't know if they did for no, you. No, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 you I'm, still throwing F-bombs. No, I am. In my songs, I am. Um, I was going to say, in the bones we gave, did those videos change a lot for you guys? They did. They changed uh, who we are, who we were in the industry and, and the public eye. They yeah. made us really famous. Because it went from a magazine just reading to actually a video and see personalities because we never saw that in the magazines. It just progressed the industry, progressed the sport. It got people to see skateboarding quicker and abroad. You know, um, back in the day when it was just magazines, I mean, people in Europe couldn't get a magazine until six months later. Yeah, So we were time. already six months advanced before they even see, oh, look at this new trick, uh, rock and roll. Yeah. Like, we're already doing airs. <laughs> yeah. We're doing airs. Yeah. Boy, look at this air. Yeah. We're already doing Miller flips. Wow, you know? yeah. Look at this fake Yali. You know, I already, I already had the, the camera. And now it's like, I landed a trick. I'm filming it. I'm putting it online right now. Exactly. Six it's months. amazing. Wow, man. Yeah, you can film. The technology is so incredible. And so advanced that, like you said, you know, I'll film something right now and they can see it in China in a second. I know. You know, all the way across the world. So imagine waiting six months to get that. That's crazy. Yeah. So those videos came out and those videos just like put you guys, yeah, like rock, rock star status kind of, right? Like just everywhere. It did, man. It, it really Global. put us on a, on, a, on a whole new level. And, and I meet people today that were brought up in the 80s and uh, it's still heartfelt to them. Like when they meet me now, they're... They're like in their forties, in their fifties, and I can look and I see them and I see them look at me and their wives get all like giddy because they're like, dude, I've never seen my husband like act like a little kid like yeah, that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So it's cool, man. You know, and uh which brings me to a story about like being in the band. You know, okay. I remember for the longest time I was trying to get Gavin, our singer, to um do some reunion shows and he was just not down for it. I mean, it took years. We we broke up in 1989, and I couldn't get him to to play another show until 2000. What was the reason you broke up? Uh, we didn't like our guitar player. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we love him now. Yeah, yeah. We love him now, and yeah. he, he's in People the band. Change. Yeah. yeah, we just we just weren't stoked on him. Okay. And we, you know what? And it wasn't just him. We weren't stoked on the scene. Okay. Yeah. The scene Good sucked point. because skinheads were involved, and they suck. It got violent. They got it got really violent. They were just kind of they were just killing their own scene. I mean, mm -hmm. the music was for them, you know, but know. they hated everybody. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, dude, we're in this all together. We're having a good time. You know, I don't care if you want to shave your head, you know, and look like what you do. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. But you know, it's not, it's not what our message is about. Like, it doesn't be bummed that like the jocks or something, or you know, the guys What's that, happening that the actually hate punk rock. Yeah. Or, yeah, what's, what's happened in the world, but yeah. not in your own scene. Yeah, I never understood that either. So I remember, like, in, like, 1985, where, like, I go to a show, and we're playing a show uh, with Social Distortion. And I remember, I think it was Lars that came up to me. He's like, hey, because uh, he was friends with a bunch of the skinheads. And he's like, hey, uh, Cab, I just want to let you know that some skinheads are here, and they want to kick your ass. Oops, sorry, I said ass. That's okay. <laughs> really? And I'm like, you? Why? I'm like, why do, I, why do they want to beat me up? They don't like you, dude. <laughs> I'm like, no way. Okay. Oh, I know why. Anyways, um, so I was like, okay, I'll be ready for that. And then they actually ended up um, like were spitting on us. And and I remember Gavin. What? The Gavin, faction? Yeah, I remember Gavin flipping them off. I, there's video of it. And then like, I think we quit after six songs. And then like, oh, we were just man. like over it. We're like, you know what? The scene's lame. You know, <sighs> that's uh, we just want to have fun. Yeah. You know, um, so 1989, 
85, we broke up. We got back together in 89 for like uh, one year with uh, Jeff Kendall. Wow. Um, on guitar. Awesome. Because uh, we, still, we still didn't like our, our guitar player. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we got, we, got, we got him. And then from 1989 to 2000, I could not get Gavin to play another show and convince him. And it was funny. It was Lars that had Gavin come and play and sing some faction songs at like a, I think it was a, um, a soccer game, like oh, a, wow. an earthquake soccer game okay. where Rancid was playing. And wow. Gavin sang and got a taste of like, oh, this is pretty cool. Awesome. But he, Gavin was like, just like, he's like, dude, I wrote those songs when I was 17. Like, no one wants to hear those songs. Mm-hmm. And I had to convince Gavin. I go, Gavin, do you know that every 40-year-old, 50-year-old person that comes in there, and as soon as we hit that first note and hear you start singing, those guys are 16 again. Exactly. 100%. They want to hear those 100%. songs they were brought up with. Yeah. So don't feel embarrassed. Like, you don't think that way anymore. Yeah, people or, care. People care. It's their childhood, Soundtracks man. Soundtracks are their you childhood. You can't get rid of that, mm-hmm. you know? Like, don't be embarrassed of where you came from. Yeah. You did, know? did you Before that happened, did you see yourself trying to become a, mus- a full-time musician? It was just always just for fun. You focused on skateboarding. It's always been for fun. Yeah. You know, there was a point one time, um, I was in a band called Soda in 1994. Uh, three to 95, no, 90, 94. And uh, it's a band that I just put together. It was a female singer, a pop punk band. We played on the Warp Tour twice. Awesome. Um, I remember um, No Use for a Name was looking for a guitar player. And um, their bass player, who produced our CD for okay. Soda, said, Hey, I just want to put this in your ear. Be kind of cool if you join the band. We need another guitar player. Wow. And I'm like, and I just started. Um, Soda. Soda. And I wanted this to, to grow and build. Yeah. And I was like, man, I have a choice to join No Use for a Name. <laughs> and crazy. go on tour for months yeah. and do all this. And I'm like, do I really want to do that? Like, I can't do that to the band. Like, yeah. I, I'm a professional skateboarder. I can't yes. just take off for, you know, months and go on tour. And these yeah. guys were touring a lot. Yeah. So I, I turned That's it nice. down. That's nice. I thought about you, though. That's really awesome. No, I was really stoked. I was yeah. honored, flattered. But yeah. um, And they ended up getting an even better guitar player, better singer, and that was uh, Chris Shiflett, oh, who yeah, now right. plays for the Foo Fighters. Yeah, amazing. Who I also did a podcast for just Oh, he recently. has a podcast, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Chris Shiflett. He's awesome, man. Yeah. I was stoked when that happened for him, too, man. He's a great dude. I was happy he got into the Foo Fighters. Yeah, amazing. So, yeah, um, yeah so, you know... Uh, the music thing has always been just kind of a fun side deal. Yeah, like when, but when it was over, you're like, "What am I gonna do now?" You you love playing, you love playing music. So like that time in between, you're yeah, probably, we start other bands. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was in a band called Odd Man Out after okay. the Faction. After the Faction was a band called Shovelhead, and then Soda, and then we reformed uh, the Faction, and we've been playing. Yeah, and who 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 coined that term, skate rock? Um, I want to say Thrasher Magazine, okay, Mofo, because those are game yeah. changers. Those compilations, man, those are incredible compilations. Yeah, they they are the ones that wanted to uh, put together uh, this collective of skateboarders who who played music. And if you listen to the very first skate rock tape from Thrasher, I think it was nineteen eighty three, maybe. Yeah, I think um, so. All the music's different. I mean, there's a lot it of different diverse, varieties yeah. of it, and that's what we were trying to share. Is like this is not punk rock. This is not rock. This is not new wave. This is 
Gate Rock. <laughs> I love that, though. I love those tapes and the shirts. And it was cool. The big boys, Aggression, you guys, yeah. JFA, McRad. Yeah, I mean, those, that was the punk rock part. But then there was, you know, other bands like the Black Athletes. I mean, I remember um, that, yeah. Um, what was another one? Um, I forget, but, you know, there, there was a... There was a, a variety of types of music. I mean, obviously, the core of it was punk. Yeah. Um, but there was other different types of sounding. So let's, let's, of let's get to 1990. You said a lot of things changed with skateboarding. Because I remember, like, it stopped. For, all of a sudden, it was like nobody was skating ramps, right? It went to street. Street skating, man. Like It took over. But you were street skating, too, though. Well, I was forced to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, there was no... Hey, when there's no ramps in your hometown, True. even skate or skate parks, yeah. there was no public parks. Yeah. Why did that uh, happen, you think? Why did it just change? Like, just happened with the time? It's just the way life is, man. Things yeah. come and go. Yeah. Nothing lasts forever. End of the era, yeah. Yeah, and just things, just just they lose their ta- their, their their spark, you know, like relationships. Yeah. You know, you got to yeah. keep working at it. True. <laughs> so I have this relationship with skateboarding I've been working at for a long time, and yeah. we battle a lot. Yeah, you take you breaks know? from each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Timeouts. Yep. Um, <laughs> but uh, obviously, skateboarding's won this battle because I'm still in it. Yeah. So where were you with that in your career when that happened? When it took a turn for that, like there's um, no more ramps. Now it's a street, and you're a pro. You've been skating your whole life. Well, everybody left. You know, um, everyone had to leave. Pal Peralta, uh, even Stacy left, which it turned into per, uh, Pal Skateboards. When they had, they had to leave because the ramps and stuff were gone. It just skateboarding was dying. Okay. It was dead. Okay. You know, I don't know if you watched the Bones Brigade autobiography. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. about a decade. It's about it's from 1980 to 1990. The yeah, 10 right. years that happened within the Bones, Pal Peralta and the Bones Brigade yeah. and our relationship and what we built and everything. And then after 1990, you don't know what happened. It's true. Well, till now. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of stuff happened. Okay. Uh, Hawk left. Um, um, McGill left. Lance Mountain left. Ronnie Mullen left. I mean, a lot, Tommy Guerrero, everybody left except for me. And they started their own thing? Okay. Started their own companies. Okay. Um, and I remember, um, I'm like, shoot, what am I going to do? I don't. Were you, were you, you scared know? at that point for your I career? wasn't scared uh, because in 1989, well, actually, 1988, I got sponsored by Vans, okay. which was paying me a check. 19- Long, longest running pro model shoe still <laughs> your shoe correct yeah man that's awesome that's amazing too, so man. so 1989 they say uh they come up to me say hey we want to do a signature shoe with you would do you want to do this and i'm like sure why not let's do it so i started making money um 1989 and started getting money off shoe sales so kind of wow, same thing as man. the board sales yeah i was making money so when the board sports sales dropped the shoe sh- sales were going up, up. And everybody wears shoes. Everybody. So everybody on every team were wearing Vans shoes. Yeah. So that was getting popular. So I was still making money. Even though I wasn't making money off Pal Peralta and making more money off board sales, I was still making money off shoes and yeah. still being a part of skateboarding, which allowed me to still be a professional skateboarder. Yeah. And I didn't have to go into business with myself or someone else and, and start something. So that it's was pretty amazing, man. That was a blessing uh, for me. You know, um, and a, a cool opportunity to to stay with George and and uh, just kind of do my thing. And 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 when Stacy left, kind of take over the role of like building a team, building, doing videos. I remember doing videos uh, with all the street skaters. Yeah. And, and 
you know, picking people to be on the team and, and having to fire people as well. I didn't wow. really like that part, yeah. you know, and I kind of backed off the whole like team managing. Yeah. And I, once I told George, I'm like, you know what, George, I, I want to kind of get out of this thing. I just, I'm a professional skateboarder and I want to, I want to stay there because yeah. you kind of lose the respect of your peers when you have to be their boss. You it's called hundred percent. So, um, so we an awkward position yeah. to be in. And I care about the skaters because I'm a skater, yeah. but I also care about the company and the co- company's well, well-being and yeah. welfare. So you can't let skateboarders take advantage of the company, and you can't let the company take advantage of the skaters. 100%. So I was kind of the middleman, yeah. but I didn't like the way uh, my peers were looking at me okay. and treating me. <clears throat> so I kind of backed out of there and just wanted to be one of them. Again. Yeah. But um, so, like I said, 1990 come around. 1991, 1992, there's no ramps. No skateboard parks are all closed. Um, Did the boards change too? The sizes and all that? Yeah, they started getting skinnier and skinnier, more nose. They're skinnier. Like, they started turning into freestyle Freestyle boards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, I'm like, well, if I'm going to be in this this skateboard game, I need to, I need to, like, conform. So I need to, what's what's happening here? What what are people doing? Oh, all in stairs, all in ledges, grinds. Kick flips, wow. board slides. So I started learning that stuff. All that stuff. Which was rad because it, it gave me a new life in skateboarding. It gave me a fresh start of starting over. Doing and different like, tricks. Yeah, yeah, trying things. Yeah, that's awesome. And, 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 and How old were you then? Shoot, 1992. Um, 10 years ago, 27, 28, okay. you know, uh, getting into my 30s. Yeah. Um, started street skating only. You know, and I had fun. Yeah. I had fun, and it was fresh, and it was, it was what I did. Um, we made videos. I learned a, a, a new way of skateboarding. Yeah. And even though I try to keep that the vert skills, uh, I'd go on the Vans Warp Tour. Vans Warp Tour started that was great. 19, yeah, started nineteen ninety five. That's where I first met you, actually. Yeah. yeah. Warp Tour. Yeah. And they had skateboarding on there, so every year I would get to skate a ramp for a whole month. Around a bunch of bands, that's awesome. A bunch man. of bands yeah. every, every 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 day. Hang out with hang out with bands that you li- like like to listen to. Yeah. Hung out with, uh, lived with for a whole month. You know, it was like those a are awesome family. times, man. Yeah, those are amazing. Those man. are great times. You know, that's where I met a lot of the guys from like No Use for Name. Yeah, and you guys, yeah. H2O, and um, sick of it all. So many bands on there. Yeah, MXPX, Milan Collin, Goldfinger. Pennywise, <laughs> Strung Out, I mean, all those bands. I loved all the fat music. So you get to skate to that soundtrack all day. That was all pretty amazing. Time. And hang out with them and be on stage. And and actually, because I was a musician, I got to share the stage Yeah, you know, with bands. I mean, I played with uh, Blink-182 in Hawaii. Wow. You know, played with Pennywise in Australia, MXPX in um, Italy. Awesome. Uh, Mill and Colin, um, just all over Europe. Um I got to play with Goldfinger at, at Red Rocks. Wow, that's all on that tour? Yeah. Wow. That was the first time I joined. Goldfinger was the first band to ask me to, to hop on stage and that's play amazing. song with them. And it was at, it was at Red Rocks. That's amazing. Got to play with H2 in San Diego. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> so that, so that kind of that, that kept you in the public eye. And like you weren't like the old dude. There's like the legendary skaters on the tour and the Mike Frazier's on the tour. There's a bunch of you guys. So that kept you... With the young crowd, too. You know what I mean? It kept you out there, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I was just trying to fit in. Yeah. You know, just trying to go with the trends of yeah. skateboarding and, and music and, and everything that, you know, it involved. And I still do that. I still yeah. try to, you know, uh, 
I had to put the street skate thing. I, I think I remember at age 35 in 2000, I had filmed my best video part, and I remember doing these gnarly handrails. And I'm, at, I'm 35 years old, and I'm, mm-hmm. like, trying to slide, like, 17-stair handrails and try wow, to, like, man. board slide. Uh, I try to board slide this nine-stair handrail that had a kink that curved 20 feet that went down what? 13 more stairs, and I ate poop. Wow. <laughs> There's video of it. I, gotta see, I wanna see that, man. There's video man. of it. And, That's and then that was like the third slam I took. I took another slam in Puerto Rico where I tried to board slide this 11 stair and I didn't ollie onto it and fell and hit my head. And then I tried to shoot this. Um, in, uh, it was a, I rode for Crux Trucks at that time. I tried to shoot an ad for them doing a 50 50 down this uh, 11 stair handrail. And I made it once. And then the photographer's all, hey, can we shoot it again? Long lens? I got a fisheye. I'm like, sure. I go to sh- I go to do it again, and I <laughs> went too fast, and I overamped, and I landed halfway down and slipped out and hit my head. Damn. So after like that third slam in 2000, age 35, I'm like, I'm too old for this. I don't need any. I don't. I got nothing to prove. Nothing to prove. <laughs> I got done. nothing to prove. <laughs> you know that song. I know that song. You wrote it. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> so you're done. Nothing to prove. Nothing. To, I'm done with this. I'm done. I was done. Yeah. At age 35, I'm not. No more street skating. No more street skating. But I, you know, no more doing big, big stuff. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like bowl skating started happening again. So I just what brought getting, that back? You think? I have no idea. Skate parks. Skate parks were being built all over, and they're having bowl contests and. Um, so I started skating pools again, you know, and started skating ramps. And pools are the original thing you probably skated in the first place, right? Yeah, back pretty to, much, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to the '80s, man. Back yeah. to when I first started. So that's where I felt comfortable. Start putting pads back on, and and then you know, um, the whole thing you 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 don't do something for a while, you lose it. You know, yeah. so um, it's crazy. Nobody wears pads now. The kids are all skating in bowls with just jeans on, sliding on their bats. Oh, it's it's insane. so insane. Like I've always worn knee pads. My my knees are in perfect condition because of that. I always say dads wear pads, and it's cool when I see you and Asoy's kids all wearing pads when they skate. It's awesome because that's super important. People don't think about that. Like helmets, all that, you know what I mean? Like it's super important. What was like your gnarliest bail? Like the worst you ever got hurt? Um, I would say the worst I ever got hurt that took me out the longest was a broken ankle. Okay. And that was in 1991. That's not even that bad for like everything you've done. And it was a, it wasn't even like a, a bad crack too. It yeah. was, um, I didn't, um, I didn't even have surgery. Wow. It was hairline fractures. That's... 1991, I remember doing a trick where it's called a tail grab varial on a, yeah. like a 12 foot vert ramp. And I remember throwing it in and just, I wanted to land it. I just threw it in. It was sketchy and my foot rolled off the front of it, which rolled my ankle, which broke it. The foot and the ankle, and so in 1991, I was in a cast. Um, I was out for like six weeks, and then I had to rehab for probably another six weeks. Um, That's pretty good for the run you had, though. Yeah, man. I mean, I like I wore my pads all the time, you know. Yeah. And uh, because of my style and the way I skate, I'm a very cautious skateboarder, so I don't just go for stuff, you know. So if you ever see me practicing and you're wondering why I'm bailing so much. It's because I don't <laughs> land stuff until it's perfect. And I think that uh, tributes like that. to my style and the way I... Because people like... You say, oh, man, you're so smooth. You make it look so easy. I go, if you look at my sweatshirt or my sweat, my, my, my shirt, and it's all sweaty, soaky, you know, it's not easy for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like pouring sweat. Yeah. You know? So I'm working hard I'm, for this. Yeah, for sure. You know? Um, you look at Josoy, the guy never sweats. <laughs> 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 Talking about somebody who makes it look easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you guys, you guys met super young too. You too, right? Yeah, I met him 
Because I think Back he got signed in 1979. Wow, man. I met, I've known him. I've known Josue since 79. Uh, Marina Del Rey Skate Park. I remember he was just a like little kid. <laughs> I, he had to be like eight or nine years old. Little kid with super long hair. I'm like, damn, that chick's pretty good. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's like, oh, it's a boy? Oh, look at wow. his hair. He's got hair down his butt. Like, it was like super wow. long. I'm like, oh. Kid's pretty good, man. And he rips these little brown bowls they had, these yeah. real tiny bowls that were like f- maybe three, four feet high. And he would skate them like he would skate pools, like vertical. Mm-hmm. And I go, man, once this kid takes these things to the, the pool, just right up right up the hill there, yeah, um, it's a 10-foot ball, this guy's going to be amazing. And sure enough- Was he a lot younger than you? I came back six months later. Shredding, um, yeah. Yeah, he's like four years younger. Okay. And- um, He's doing all the same stuff that he did in the little tiny brown bowls and a 10 foot ball now and wow. lasting and with great style. It's insane and, style, too. And we picked him up. He was on the Bones Brigade. That's crazy. I, I mean, nobody really talks about that. I'm, oh, yeah. Uh, the Gold Cup Series 1980, he was an amateur skateboarder for the Bones Brigade. He's got to wear wow. a Bones Brigade t shirt. I think he's riding an Alan Gelfin model. Um, there's photos of it. That's amazing. And I think he lasted maybe six months, maybe four months, and then he quit. Then he did his own thing. Yeah. He was, I think he got offered um, a better deal and maybe a, a, a turn pro. Yeah. On board, so. At super young, too, yeah, like that. 14 or 15, like you. Right? Oh, no. No, he was young. He was younger then. Wow. Yeah. Because um, I was, in 1980, I was 15, and he's 14. Okay. He was 11. That's crazy, man. Yeah. So wh- what do you what do you think it's what do you think is what do you think it's been not just your motivation, your passion, obviously your passion in skateboarding, but you've come so far in such a long time. Obviously, you're, you're a dad. You have kids. Um, you're still skateboarding. You're in your 50s. You're an amazing artist. Like, what, 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 like, what do you think helped you come this far besides believing in yourself? I know your parents seemed like they're open-minded. They believed in you. They didn't pressure you to like, do this, go to college, be in the military. Like, they let you kind of be you. So that's awesome. Um, so what, what do you think helped you go this far besides your talents? Like, inside, you know what I mean? Like, ne- never giving up. Never trying, I'm not really quitting, but thinking about it, but like really believing in yourself. Um, <clears throat> I think what attributes to that is just being very wise at a young age and knowing that you work super hard for something. You have a dr- you have dreams, yeah. And I know you dream something that you can see that would be cool if that happened to me, yeah, that yeah, for me, yeah. And I just knew, learned at a very young age, you work super hard at something over and over, and that's what skateboarding taught me. Yeah, because skateboarding is not an easy thing to do. It's not, and it takes repetitive work and getting hurt, like yeah, falling and falling again. Yeah, for yeah, sure, and getting hurt. Yeah, and uh, um, and also, you know, something that you promote a lot: positive, me- positive mental attitude. Yeah, and just always thinking positive about everything. Yeah, you know, and 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 believing yourself and knowing I can do this if I just work super hard. Yeah, there's nothing can hold me back. Yeah, you know, and um. Like skateboarding taught me that, so I I learned at a very young age. Um, if I work super hard at something and I fail, 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 then succeed. Um, I know that you f- you if you fail, that's not over. You yeah, know? that you can just continue and continue till you get it right. And it's it's just doing it over and over and figuring it out. It's like men, um, you know, boys. They they love. Puzzles. They love challenges. They love yeah. figuring things out. Yeah. You know, and skateboarding is one of those things you got to figure it out. Yeah. You know, may, everyone may, may look 
different doing it, but there's always a technique and you got to figure out what your technique is to get to that, you know, that, that, that goal that you're setting for yourself, you know? So I, every time, you know, I want to learn something new, I just got to put in my mind, this is what I want to do. And I tell myself, I'm going to do this and be positive and yeah. just be, uh, aggressively like, um, confident. Yeah. You know, but without having like a cocky attitude, yeah. you know, attitude about it, it's trying to re- um, you seem to stay humble. humble. You seem humble. You stayed humble this whole time. It seems. I didn't know you back then. I looked yeah. up to you in the magazines, and when I met you when I was a kid, you're always awesome. But like, you seem like you stayed humble, head on your shoulders, and well, you got to. I mean, and you, you know, man- but you maneuvered too through everything, all the bull, all the all the bull BS, and you made it to where you are now with maneuvering through the skateboard industry, everything. Like, well, it's and that says know, a lot about you. What's thank you, man. It's it's a lot about your thought process and how you how you take things in and like. My mind's always going. Like you, you think maybe I'm focused on you right now, but I'm thinking about <laughs> <laughs> next. Move. I'm thinking about where I got to go in about a, a yeah. 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah or yeah. you know, or who I got to call. No, I, yeah. But I, I, I'm a multitasker. Always thinking. Yeah, I'm that's great. I'm a multitasker, great. and I, I think about stuff at night. I think about stuff in my dreams. I think about stuff in the morning. I think about stuff when I'm driving my car. You write stuff down a lot. Um, ideas. Yeah, I do actually on my phone. Yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm no planners. Yeah, but um. You know, my mind's always going, you know, and it helps me try to, um, it's like chess. I love the game chess because you can't just focus on one thing. You got to focus on the whole board. Yeah. And then you got to focus on the person you're playing with and what's their next move. Mm-hmm. You got to be one step ahead of them. Yeah. And that's how the world is. It you is. You got to be one step ahead of the world yeah. if you want to succeed. 100%. And if you're going to play a game, don't play to lose. You play to win. True. When I enter a contest, I don't. I don't enter a contest to lose. Yeah. I go. I want to win because I want to do the best I can, and all the hard work I put into it. You know, I want to shine that day and be like, you know, it wasn't a waste of time. Yeah. You know what I did helped me out, and you know, it's not always going to go perfectly mm-hmm. because we're not perfect people. No. We make mistakes. Uh, a lot of things are our decisions are based on emotions, not truth. Hundred percent. You know. Um, I try to I try to base everything my life around truth. I like that. Not about my emotions, how I feel, because feelings can be wrong, you know. It's true. And uh, later on, you're like, oh, maybe that maybe that maybe that thought wasn't right, you know. Maybe maybe you know. Um, and I also like I like stepping out of the box, you know. I grew yeah. up as a uh, as a, sh- a very shy dude, mm-hmm. you know, and through skateboarding, through fame. You know, help me come out of my shell. Yeah. You know, and I know most people in this world are in shells. Most people have anxieties. Most people have fears. And that's why drugs, that's why alcohol is so popular. 100%. You know, and if whatever, I, I went to a Christian Bible study um, a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to them about, I didn't even know what I was going to say. Because I don't like to like have this like pre um message that I want to speak to these guys. Because these speak guys from are, the heart when you speak. Don't speak from it, yeah. the heart always. Yeah. You know, and these guys want to hear my life. They want to hear how God's affected it. They wanted to hear where I'm going, where I'm doing. I told them, you know what? I don't even know what God has planned for me right now. My life's just beginning right now. Yeah. I told them that. That's amazing. I mean all the things that I don't <laughs> even know what I'm gonna be doing now. Like I could be doing something completely different than what I've done in the last fifty four years. Yeah. I mean all that stuff is meaningless to tell you 
all the trophies, yeah. all the magazine covers, all the money. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the end, I mean, you, it's a proven fact. You, you, everyone watches TV. Everyone reads the news. Yeah. You know, you got these billionaires. You got these famous people. You got these people on that are put on a, in high Pedestal. pedestals. And what? They're unhappy. 100%. You got man. a lot of suicides. Doesn't make you happy, man. Dude, all these famous musicians committing suicide. Drugs and depression. Yeah, and man. Sad. Yeah. So all that stuff, you know, you, you think that they're, they're living these great lives. People think money, success, and fame is, is, what, is yeah. the end of all ends. This is what they need. It's not, it's it's not, not at all, man. It's, at all. It's fun. And, and health it makes is wealth. The, it makes the world, yeah, your health. Mentally, physically. Yeah. It makes the world go round, you know, and we definitely have to work to, to live. I mean, things, you got to pay for stuff, yeah. right? I so, hate money so much, man. It's just, you know, it's just the way... I mean, I think they used to use the barter system back in the day, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing. I kind of try to treat everything as the barter system as well, you know? I'm trading this service for this, and yeah. you get paid for this. And My friends are that. I'll give you a tattoo, do it for this. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, but, like, if I want to say something to people about who I am and what I do and what I've done, um, you know, it's not all that. You know, you... You know, what the most important thing in my life is, is the relationships that I've built and the friendships that I've built through all those avenues of being a professional skateboarder, musician, yeah. artist, into hot rods, yeah. uh, motocross, all these things. Um, they all kind of mesh together now. Yeah. But what I love is the connection I have with people and making people inspired, encouraged, uh, make people happy, smile. Like, it's the most important thing, man. Give them a joy. Priceless. You know, Show them, hey, you know what? You're more than that McDonald's job. You're more than yeah. working at um, Target. You're more than um, having a a, um, a high end brand. Or you're more than a um, a famous singer or or a famous actor. Yeah, you know. I agree with that. We we are limitless at what we can do. Mm-hmm. You know. So, no, you know, God put me on this planet. To just um, encourage people and to to live a, a full abundant life. Yeah. And you have to you have to um, believe in yourself and believe that just because this girl doesn't like you anymore, or you get <laughs> divorced, or you get fired, that's the end of the world. Yeah. Or you you know your paycheck goes down. I mean, maybe you're not happy end, there. You go yeah. work somewhere else. End go of a chapter. A new chapter begins. New chapters, man. Yeah. Yeah. You go to school your whole life to be this, and then it doesn't pan out. So what? Mm-hmm. Go do something else. Yeah. You know? You're in control I mean, of your own destiny, man. Exactly. Did you exactly. did you ever have a plan B? Is there a plan B? <laughs> <laughs> like it was just skating for you and then whatever it took from that avenue is that's amazing. You know now. what? I did not have not, I did not plan my life out, but God planned my life out for yeah. me. You know. And he's got a plan for everybody. And I'm, I'm sure Josue talked about it as mm-hmm. well. But were you religious your whole life? Nope. Were you were you raised that way? Nope. When, when did that change for you? When did that turn uh, for you? Age 40. Wow. Yeah. You never even thought about God or none of that? Nope, didn't care. Didn't care. And it's all of a sudden, just one day, just... Yeah, well, that's how it happens, man. Wow. But that's a prideful man. Yeah. And that's a man that says, I got it all figured out. I don't need God in my life. I got money. I got fame. Mm-hmm. I got women. I got possessions. None of the real stuff that actually matters. When you're heartbroken, nothing, none of that stuff matters. Yeah. And you're sitting in your mansion by yourself, miserable and depressed. Yeah. 
and that's why you know all those people who commit have committed suicide or every year there's a new one all the people we looked up to know, people sad, now man. they're like wait how what like this guy like yeah took his life but he's so famous he's so rich he's so, he's so when like, robin, robin williams that was that crushed there you me go, right couldn't believe that man and i tell you what man and i hate to be preachy on this <laughs> but these are people that that don't have god in their life these people that that it's missing that's the, that's the element that's missing in their life to to fulfill them to make them fulfilled you know mm-hmm. and if you ever anyone listening to this if you find yourself depressed miserable you don't think your life's worth anything try god try jesus it worked for you. Fulfill, yeah. fulfill me, and I love my life even more. And yeah. I know I have a higher purpose and a bigger purpose than what I've accomplished and what I've done for my life. I mean, my my life's just started at age forty. That's pretty amazing, man. I'm, I'm stoked. Bottom line is, you, you got to be happy. You know what I mean? It's like you said, it's not about money, riches, living in a, in, 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 a, in a fancy crib. Or being famous, it's like you got to be happy. None of that matters. It's not real life. No, it's, it all goes away as easily as easily as it comes. For some, it goes. It goes away just as quick. I mean, this world will eat you up and spit you out. Yeah. You know, you work so hard to be this, 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 and you do all the right things to be famous and make all this money, and then make one mistake, and what does the world do to you? You're, you're, Spits on you. You're on Oprah. Yeah, it's over. You're on Oprah. And they love to see you fall too. The world yeah. loves to see you fall too. <laughs> like people love seeing you so successful. Then when you're at the bottom, like people just like kick you. Yeah, and even. And it's funny, even when you do get successful, they kick you. Oh, for sure. Jealous haters. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So it's, it's you a lose-lose. You lose. lose. Yeah. So I'm just telling you, if, yeah. if, you're gonna, if you're living for the world and for the world to accept you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to eat you up and spit you out. Yeah. And I, I found a, at age 40 that the only person I want to impress is God. That's all. I, I don't care what man thinks of me. Yeah. I don't care what God thinks of me. And, and, he's only he's only what matters. And what you said earlier, growing up, you said you always you said you kind of said you wanted to kind of fit in and and you maneuver and, and you know and 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 you realize now at forty you don't need any of that. Anybody thinks you have God, but growing up it seems like that when you're young you're like yeah I might be an engineer I might do this you know what I mean you're trying to maneuver and figure out like where do I fit in. But you've been a black sheep since day one. Well, it's it's not all about just fitting in. It's like what's what am I what's my purpose? What's here? Your, yeah, what's your purpose? Yeah. What am I doing here? Yeah. What's it, what's really going on? Well, you, well, you're, you're, you're in, you, you definitely inspire. You definitely inspire a lot of people, man. I try, including myself. I try, j- j- you, j- just from like being you. You know what I mean? Like nothing else. Um, well, anyway, I think we talked everything. The, the, one of the last questions are: Are you optimistic or pessimistic? But you, my friend, are optimistic. I already know that 100. <laughs> percent And and one of the quotes from Napoleon Hill, who created PMA, was what um, what the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. And you're living proof of that. 100%. Amen. You're Amen, pre- brother. You're, 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 so Napoleon Hill is that. And then two last ran, <laughs> random questions were, I know this is going to sound, because it's such a great ending right now with everything he was talking about. I know there's the two kind of silly questions, but they mean something to me. Who brought the Air Jordan into skateboarding? Oh, uh, Stacy Peralta. Really? Because Christian didn't, re- yeah, I asked him that yesterday. Okay. <laughs> Stacy did, because he gave us the shoes. Wow. No, see, we were, we were getting shoes from Vans. Um... All through like the eighties, uh, I didn't ride for Vans. Was getting shoes. It's getting laced through up Stacey. Yeah. Uh, Vans was giving shoes to Stacy, which gave to the team. 
I never had a relationship with Vance until 1988. Wow. Through 1979 to 1985-ish, uh, Vans were getting less and less and less. Around 1985, 86, oh, we're not getting Vans anymore. Oh, okay, well, let's just try some other shoes. Okay, oh, hey. Jordan 1s. Well, first it's like, hey, um, Christian, you think I can get a pair of Converse from, you know, oh, yeah, they'll send you some. Give me a pair of Converse. Uh, and then uh, Airwalk started. Oh, yeah, oh, Airwalk. Let me try these sick. Airwalks. Oh, these are crappy shoes. They were for before the puffy ones. These were like, they, yeah. wa- they were wannabe Chuck Taylors. Oh, yeah, super, you know what I mean? super thin. Super yeah. thin. And the big bulky ones yeah. came out. Those and then crazy. all of a sudden, Big Five's having a sale on Pumas, okay. Puma Prowlers. And I'm like, me and uh, um, Hawk go to, the, go to Big Five, and they're like $10 a pair. I bought. With a hundred bucks, I bought ten pairs. So wow. in a, and so so in photos like in nineteen eighty five, you see like a Vans on one shoe, a Puma Puma on one, um, and then um, all of a sudden, Stacy's like, "Hey, I'm getting shoes from Nike." Well, what are they? Oh, they're you know these Air Jordan. Like it's crazy. Sh- sh- all right, so we just start getting them. We start wearing them. They're they're comfy, but they don't grip very well. They're not. Yeah, they're. I mean, feet were, they were sliding bulky off. Too, yeah, they're bulky. And uh, but we wore them. They were free. I seen photos. Yeah, they're, they're free. And I'm gonna wear stuff. I'm getting for free. Yeah, I don't that care. famous not picture. Get... You guys in the two rams back to back, all rocking them, doing hand yeah, plants. Yeah, man. Except for legendary. Except for who wasn't wearing Hawk. them? He Hawk. wasn't. Okay. Hawk was the only one wearing Vans. Okay. I don't know. Maybe his dad was buying but, Vans. But, I, for but I can say you guys brought Nike into skateboarding. First time I've ever seen pictures of people wearing it. I think people wore blazers before, but like for the high profile you guys were, and us looking at those magazines, like, oh my God, they're wearing Jordans. Yeah. And we knew Jordans from basketball and hip hop, but not skateboarding. So yeah. you guys put SB on the map. Yeah. And then, then. so um, I think uh, Vance got wind of it. Mm. And so, and that's when I got the call Hey, you want to ride for Vans and we'll pay you? And I'm like, you're going to pay me money to wear your shoes? Wow. Sign me, sign me up. You're already wearing them anyway. No, I was wearing Air Jordans. Oh, and Jordans. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> wow. So that's what. But got... you did. Did you do Vans to 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 Jordans to back to Vans kind of right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, then I started getting paid. So then I actually was on the team, the Vans team. And yeah. Then that's when the it, we formed the the Caballero High Top Signature Shoe in '89. <sighs> Three years later, uh, the trend was to cut it down, and that's yeah. when we invented the um, we created the half half cabs, and that's the longest running skate shoe. Yeah, it, this year marks 25 years. That's amazing. Yeah. Or last, then, actually, last year marks 25 years. And the final question, have you in your entire life ever seen Animal Chin? Still searching, bro. And is that a real person? Somebody said it was at the Warp Tour last year. No. Okay. Somebody sent me a picture of your Animal Chin's it's here. It's an idea. Okay. I think some guy ran with the idea, and, and now he gets in the Warp Tour for free. Every, Are you serious? Yeah. That, that, that was such a random thing, man, there's back no, then. There's no, there's no Chin. It's an idea. Okay. Who it's, created that idea? Um, either Stacy or Stesic um, created that whole uh, premise of that that movie of how you know. I mean, if you if you watch that was a wild if you movie, watch the yeah. film and you watch the very ending part where we're uh, roasting marshmallows and hot dogs. That was at, a crazy end, video. Yeah, and it's talking about you know about our search for animal chin and we're thinking like is it is he really like a person or is it just we just what matters it was just mm. we just had a good time traveling having fun searching for him and just saying that's, that's it wasn't who you're searching for yeah it was the mission to it do was it the essence of doing it that's pretty cool actually yeah. so i never thought about have, like have that. we have we have i found chin i've i've found chin many times but 
I'm always on the search. That's pretty amazing. I never even heard it like that breakdown yeah. before. Watch was, the movie again. I, it's been so long, but watching it was Get such a crazy... Get the VHS out, yeah. put the VHS in, <laughs> plop it in there, and watch the ending. Yeah. All right, okay, so I want to thank you, Cav, for... One inspired me with the faction, with skateboarding, with yeah. everything. I remember seeing you skating Mount Trashmore. I yeah. you signed pictures for me. I was yeah, a little man. kid with like um, Kodak Instamatic. I jumped on the top of the ramp. I got pictures. Of all these guys, you saw my faction <laughs> shirt. Then we became friends in the Warp Tour. I wanted to call you my friend. Thank you for being an inspiration to me growing up, being just a real down to earth human. And um, thank you, bro. I appreciate it. I think it. we covered everything, right? We hadn't covered all, but we covered enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to see right now. Uh, we have to do a part two. Um, hey, well, wait, I, one more I thing. appreciate you having me on here. Of course. One more thing. What are some values that you've gotten through? You've got time. Values you've gotten through growing up your whole entire life and your career, doing what you love, following your dreams that you instill in your children. That's a good one. What would I, what would I instill? That you've learned from your life growing up. All, everything you've been through. And like, obviously, I see your kids skating. They're shredders. They might want to be skaters one day too. Like... What is your main thing with them? Um, well, obviously because I'm a Christian, yeah, I would say follow follow God, follow His ways, follow His wisdom and truth. Um, I, th- I was thinking about that on, on the way here driving, and I was think because I try to I th- try to think of clever posts to post um, on Instagram to let people know what my faith is, yeah. but not be preachy and pushy on it. Yeah, you know, um, that's not what I'm about. That's not what. The message is about the message is about um, living it out, okay. not talking about it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Actions speak louder. Yeah, and yeah. it's like in scriptures, you know. If anything, you know, live out your Christian life, live out your values and your faith, and if everything else goes wrong, then use words. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I try to live live it out more and let people try to understand what I'm feeling and, and, and how excited I am about Christ, yeah. about Jesus, and maybe they will get attracted to it like I am. Yeah, I, through, I don't through, ex- your, through your passion. Through my passion. Through, through They see my life and they see where my life is. I'd like them to experience that too because like, I, I want to share everything with the world, yeah. you know, and I want to share my joy. But you want to be I preaching, have, yeah. Yeah, with it. And I know it's not for everybody. I know I, I, I was in that place. Uh, I was uh, agnostic for a while. I was an atheist for a while, you know. So I understand, I, yeah. Um, and I respect that. And I hated like people come up to me and be like, "Hey, you need to change your life. Mm-hmm. Hey, your life sucks. Yeah. Or you, or you, you know, you need to do this or that." And like, I, I don't want to be that person. But yeah. if a person opens up to me and wants to hear what what drives me, yeah, then you have and, a conversation and, with them about yeah, it. Yeah, I'll let them know. I'll speak truth in their life. Yeah. So that first and foremost is to. Uh, follow the Lord and follow His ways because His His ways are good mm-hmm. and they're and they're beneficial. Yeah. Uh, next, um, stay away from drugs. Stay away from alcohol. Yeah. Don't need it. Don't definitely don't need alcohol. Yeah, my son's like that too. Don't need it. Thankfully, this inspired um, by me. Yeah. Don't, don't be, need that. Don't, don't don't be a follower. Yeah. Follow your dreams. Yeah. Don't you know, not other people. Right. And you don't <laughs> follow need, your heart. You don't need um. You know, to be in a relationship, you know, uh, relationships are, are awesome. Uh, but what I'm talking about, I mean, we have relationships with, with everybody, you know, whether it's like uh, a man or a woman, you know. Speaking of which, uh, yeah. Our whole <laughs> lives are about relationships. Yeah. But Don't when it comes, becomes controlling and that, that becomes your God and your main focus and there's something wrong. 
there, you know. Yeah. Um, but they're enjoyable. I mean, companionship is, you know, God made a man and a woman to have a companionship together, yeah. and, and that's the way it, it's it's was created. That's what I've read. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets their information from reading. Yeah, hundred percent. That's what I've read, and I, I that's why I see that works. You know. Um, yeah. But, Just be um, good people. Be kind. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah, it's, it's about being loving. Yeah. And loving towards it. And, you know, and I know that you're a vegan. Yeah. You know, and. I see your salads. <laughs> if you look at Cab's Instagram, his salads are on point, man. I'm this close, bro. I know. It's I'm awesome. I'm this close. And I, that's about being a compassionate human, too. That's the whole circle totally. of everything of life. I that's understand. awesome. And yeah, I'm he, like, I haven't eaten steak or, or pork for over 10, 15 years. That's amazing. Uh, chicken slid back yeah. in there. That's okay, man. I've always You're eaten. trying. Listen I've, up, people. I never, I never gave up fish. Yeah. Um, but, you know... Um, I think it's part of the cycle of life, like just it's helping your season. everything. It's your season and, 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 mm-hmm. and where your heart is. Yeah. And, you know, just recently, you know, I just started some, some more people had, had been talking to me about, um, not, you know, because there's a lot of reasons why people don't eat meat. And one yeah. of them is health. Another one is cruelty. Yeah. You know, planet. another one is, yeah, the planet and, yeah. and, and the environment. Yeah. And then the one is people just don't like killing. Yeah. You know, so there's always different reasons why people don't do it. Like, yeah. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Yeah. You know, and say one thing and do another. I got friends who, who love the smell and taste of meat, but they don't like killing animals. So they eat the Impossible Burger because it has that flavor to it. Right. And for me, I don't care why a person's a vegan. It's the fact that they are, that's the num- it's helping animals. That's all, you know, it's saving lives. And if it helps you, hel- if it helps your health, that's awesome. Yeah. It helps the planet, great. But it's a positive way to be i think personally because well, mine is the health mine is always yeah. been the health thing yeah. you know and i've seen some documentaries and and knowledge um information people really need to um search things out on their own if they For don't sure. believe it, if they don't believe it if they don't understand why hey why don't you do this Let's check hey, it out why do you do this we well, have the do, internet do your research yeah, right Dude, there. google is my best Two friend seconds. yeah google yeah people always ask me like <laughs> hey um how do you or what do you? i'm like dude you have, a, you have a cell phone in your hand. That's how you're actually talking message to me, to me on exactly. Instagram. Have you ever heard of Google? Exactly. Any answer you want <laughs> is on the tip of your fingers. 100%. Don't even ask me the question. I know. Just do the work yourself. The one I like is, where do you get your protein from? I'm like, man, it's 2019. <laughs> That's why I like to post a chart. I like to be teaching, not preachy. I like to hear some information. Pumpkin seeds, bro. Pumpkin it's seeds. It's the highest one. Yes. It's insane, I love right? pumpkin seeds. I, know, I didn't even realize that either until like last year. <laughs> I but love pumpkin seeds. People don't think seeds. about that. As soon as you talk about something vegan, they, they get scared. Like, but listen, when you start questioning like your own compassion, like you start questioning yourself, man, maybe I shouldn't be eating those. I saw that video; it's pretty harsh. That I do that, I, I contribute to that. Then they start getting like, okay, now I get it. But otherwise, that's like, where guilt, eat like this, it's yeah. Not, but see, that's where guilt comes in. Yeah, you know, and guilt has a lot to do with the way you live. Yes, if you're not guilty. You ain't making a change. Yeah. And for so me... Guilt, so people always say, oh, you're trying to give me a guilt trip? I meant, well, yeah, because we want you to change. Yeah. I'm, trying to, I'm just trying to show you the truth. <laughs> I, I, live, I, live, I live a guilt-free life, a compassionate life. I, I know I'm not hurting anything. I try to do my best. I'm not perfect. Like I say on sometimes, when you go to the dentist, all the chemicals are in your mouth. I've been testing animals. The airplanes have leather seats. My Uber has leather seats. You can't be a 100% perfect human, let alone be a 100% perfect vegan. It's impossible. Exactly. But if you're just trying and being conscious... That's the best you can do. You're trying. You should know what you're eating and putting in your body. And you, w- you should want to be healthy, not just for you, but if you have kids, you want to be young and, st- and be- run around with them. You want to be healthy for every. You well, know, I, like- t- I tell my kids one thing. Don't eat something just because it tastes good. Don't let your taste buds dictate your health. Yeah. 
hundred percent. That's it. Don't let your taste buds dictate your health. Even though I do, because I love chocolate. Yeah, I love I love <laughs> chocolate too. But the thing about this is like all, all the food, all the all the food that tastes good, all around the country, it's cheap. It's like fast food, so yeah. that's why people are getting obese. That people are just eating five hamburgers a day because it's cheap and it tastes good. But nobody thinks about where it comes from, and that's something that's changing. The world's changing drastically, man. For sure. So I just saw a rad photo of this girl swimming with a huge great white. Really? Touch it. Send and me then that. people thought it was fake. Uh, and they wow. were like, I think they were questioning uh, Sonny Garcia, pro surfer. Uh, um, I saw him. He was surfing with the dolphins. That was not yeah. real? That was no, real. No, that was real. That was insane. No, but, but the, no, he had shared this photo on Instagram with this girl, like, was touching a great white. I mean, she, that, the great white was three, four times bigger than her. Wow. And she's touching it and, and petting it. And she said even, like, you know, people are, like, bummed out at me about touching the... Like, it actually wants to be petted. Yeah, man. Nobody's ever done that. These, <laughs> they poke and proud or they're scared of it. It's amazing. I'm like, insane. I'm like, you are one brave woman. Oh it's pretty my amazing, goodness. though. I, I'm like, if I, I could not even go in the water. No, if I, I'd be scared. Uh, oh, my God. You got to look it up. I, 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 I follow her because I'm like, you're my hero. Like, <laughs> I, I want to check it okay. out. Evil Knievel, like, tried to jump the Grand Canyon, but you're swimming with great whites. <laughs> great whites. <laughs> and touching one. Exactly. That's amazing. All right, she's, so She's a daredevil. <laughs> I, feel, I, I feel like we should do a part two sometime, too, just about Let's do it. food and health and all this. So we covered, we covered skateboarding and music, but now it's like, I feel like we do a part two someday about being parents and, and life now, how old we are, and food and living and all that. would be awesome. We will do it. But my wife wants me to go to the bank now. Um, so, Cab, <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, once thank again, you, totally follow it. Steve Caballero. He's a hero. He's, he's amazing. <laughs> and he makes really awesome salads. And he's a great dad and all that. And so, I appreciate uh, that. Thanks for listening. Thank you for Good. listening. Bye. Take care. Peace. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to the next one.